Good evening and happy Calgary Stampede, as you can tell by my fine attire. 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 I'm convincingly a cowboy sort. This is when Calgary uh, all goes wild and does their best cowboy cosplay. We're not out to insult you real cowboys. We're the best uh, flattery is imitation, right? So this is the Pipeline. This is the Western Standards weekly panel show where we cover a number of burning issues, break them down and discuss them so you don't have to think too hard about them. we got all of the answers for you. And we got three good topics coming up today. So yes, it's usually Derek Fildebrand, our publisher in this seat, but he's just been lapsed. And this is the third week in a row, I think, that you've got me for it. But that's okay because... You need that snappy cowboy dresser for this because I'm joined by our two knowledgeable compatriots from the newsroom, but both too stodgy to take part in this this stampede dressing up. Uh, I'll start with with Dave Naylor, our uh, news editor uh, over on the end there. How's it going, Dave? Good, Corey. Yeah, second week in a row. I'm starting to feel a bit like a piece of furniture, but I think uh, Nico should probably put up a warning before the show starts. Corey's t-shirt may cause epilepsy. Yeah. <laughs> it is a little funky. Your tie has got some great color on it. It's nice, actually. Both nice ties. They're standing out. And we have, as always, our opinion editor, Nigel Hannaford. How's it going, Nigel? Oh, good to be Good to be here. I had the shirt, too, but it shrank. Yeah, well, I gotta be, I've only got this. Well. I, I had to wash it after the event last night where today, but it's going to last me 10, 20 years because I only wear it a couple of days a year. Sounds like that event might be worth talking about, Corey. The event. <laughs> well, we can quickly give a nod to it, you know. We did have our, our, our stampede gathering, and uh, it was at a, a bar in Calgary called Ball Screw Bills. That's part of the fun, again, for our viewers all over, you know, with uh, a stampede. Everything kind of goes wild, and uh, they had their testicle festival at Bottle Screw Bills, and our young, intrepid, formerly Eastern reporter consumed a, a record number of balls that night. Uh, you know, did an easy dozen of them. Oh boy. It's hard to get that many balls down you in one night. Typically, yes. Seems a changed man this morning, that's for sure. Well, he, he has a talent, and yeah. maybe one day he'll find it. must be the hot sauce. A better place to apply it. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, though, and the stampede is. And it's yeah. a good spot, time to, to lighten up and, and have some fun. But not everything uh, goes lightly with the stampede. Uh, actually, I'm going to start with the talk about one of our sponsors quickly and get that out of the way, pay the bills. And that is the Canadian Shooting Sports Association. Uh, these guys are great. If you own firearms, you want to own firearms, you just want to support other people's right and ability to own firearms, you got to be a member of the Canadian Shooting Sports Association. They advocate on your behalf. Their site, also at, like any association, has all sorts of resources for you for sports shooting, hunting, collecting, all of those things. Check it out, guys. They're doing the work standing up for you because you've got to help them stand up for you. So take out a subscription, be a member of them. CSSA-CILA.org and... Uh, yeah, it's on you to help protect your rights because you know they're under threat. All right. Now, speaking of expression, speaking of the stampede, Dave, it's a stampede story we're starting with today. Uh, Premier Daniel Smith, I mean, the politicians always all flock to the Calgary stampede every year, but it looks like it just no matter where she goes, somehow it turns into a controversy. It does, and uh, this, I think, could be one of the biggest non-story stories I've ever I've ever covered it. Uh, she was having her pancake breakfast with thousands and thousands of people at McDougal Centre. And as you do in these things, you get your picture taken with whoever comes up to you. And one gentleman came up to her wearing a shirt that said, uh, uh, thank a straight person for your existence, uh, you know, straight pride. And I saw that on uh, social media and I thought, oh no, here we go again. And it didn't take long. The left-wing media started coming out with stories on how she's anti-LGBTQ, 
the uh, uh, the gay community started coming out with stuff saying it's all hate. You know, she's a hateful woman and hate language and 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 all this sort of stuff. And even QP, our union friends, who are obviously NDP affiliated. Uh, took time out of their busy stampeding to uh, issue a statement on it, uh, as well as the uh, the NDP uh, uh, critic also said it was the worst thing uh, uh, she'd ever seen. It's just, it's you know, if you remember the same thing happened with Pierre Polyev uh, with the Diagalon guy who came up to him and had a picture taken. Pierre Polyev had no idea who that guy was, yet he was raked over the coals for it. Same with Daniel Smith. I mean, how many other people with T-shirts had their photo taken? But, you know, this one... It was a bit controversial. Well, yeah, and I'd never even heard of Diagalon before this faux scandal came up with Polyev because he'd taken a selfie. I mean, we've been to enough political events. We've seen that. That's the thing of today. There's no more autographs or anything. It's it's literally a lineup of people, and you're just – it's a production line. Smile, picture, smile, picture. You don't have time to look at every T-shirt and display. And, and this wasn't a swastika. This was just some, some strange text. I, I don't know. What do you make of it, Nigel? I don't think it's a strange text. I mean, the guy – if you're out there with your rainbow flag and you're proud of the fact that you're homosexual, then presumably what's wrong with a guy who isn't homosexual saying, I'm proud to be straight? You know, where is the, the there is this double standard. So let's not confuse the issue here. That whether she read the whether she read the T-shirt or whether she didn't, why can't a guy wear a, a, a straight pride T-shirt? Oh, well, as you see, that's not the narrative. That's not politically correct. So therefore, you jump on him, and you jump on the premier if she happens to be caught taking, standing beside him. So it's uh, it's the old political racket, and you know they go after this because this is all they've got. They can't beat her on economics, on on health policy, on any of the other things that government does. So they try to make they try to go for a way to cut her throat with uh, oh you were you said the wrong thing and you stood in the wrong place. Uh, kind of pathetic actually but uh, if you've got to a world where you can't say there's a there are men and there are women and there are uh, uh, say simple truths but that's that is all the other side has got and it's funny uh, the, the next day or that day actually the premier's office issued an apology well, why? 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 Yeah, why would they have to issue an apology? What's to apologize for? And, and you know what? They don't accept it. They don't appreciate it. All no. they do is double down. They're thrilled because the premier's office just brought it back into the headlights again for another yep. uh, news yeah. cycle. Yeah, you bet. Well, I bet you next uh, premier's breakfast they've got at least one staff member standing in the head of the line, looking at t-shirts, and it's ludicrous. It is ludicrous. I mean, it, it makes it difficult. I mean, I, I look. I don't see the point of such a t-shirt. I'll say that. Straight people haven't been oppressed. I mean, I can understand the reason why people who were of the LGBTQ community want to express themselves, because for decades it was told it was shameful and your bars would get raided. But if you want to wear the damn, go ahead. The I love mean, that just, once durst not speak its name, now won't shut up. I think that is why sometimes people get so sick of it that they decide to satire is it. Well, as you said, too, that... There is nothing on Premier Smith. She's been a public figure for quite some time in Alberta, and she's always been actually quite vocally supportive of the LGBTQ yeah, community. She's, exactly. she's not known as a, a social conservative. For them to try, with that many years of public record, to smear Smith because of this, I, I, I got a feeling, though, the viewers and voters are going to be fatigued with this tactic. Well, isn't that what cost the NDP the election? People oh, yes. were tired of all the negativity. Yep. 
Uh, and, and in fairness, they haven't even stopped since the election. Every day, tweets and press releases on how bad this is, how bad that is, how bad the UCP has uh, screwed things up. You know what? Give it at least a couple of months break before you start that. People are election fatigued after that, that endless election. It didn't work to be complaining all the time. Offer better solutions, not just complaints. You know, it illustrates, just to be serious for about five seconds, it illustrates the fundamentally different mindsets between the two sides. The one, the conservative side thinks the other people are wrong. The other people think the conservatives are evil. And so they are motivated by a deep, this is not policy driven, this is a spontaneous eruption of loathing and disdain, and they can't get over it. And, and it's beyond just, politics. It's created such a, a minefield for any discussion. I mean, something I throw out on Twitter is my playground there, but every time this sort of thing happens, it keeps happening over and over again. I've got a picture that I use, that I tweet out, that has Prime Minister Justin Trudeau at the Calgary Stampede, smiling in a selfie with a gentleman whose name is Terry Lowe, who was a, a candidate for the uh, liberal-leading Alberta party, who ended up getting convicted uh, as a pedophile. Convicted, not one of those speculative things. But I also make a point because Trudeau took the picture with this odious man, I don't see that as a reflection of Trudeau. That's just the nature of these things. But if you're going to keep sharing that garbage, mm -hmm. I'm going to keep reminding everybody of who Justin was cozy with the other day. So let's just stop. Just stop. Words of wisdom. And uh, but I, mean, I worry about how this affects political discourse. I mean, we want our politicians to feel free to speak up, not get pilloried whenever anything minor happens like and, and the the rules for the language are allowed now and with anything social is, is like you might have seen it or not it was a big thing a couple of years ago but somebody started putting up signs around some college that just said it's okay to be white it was just physical trolling that's all it said was it's okay to be white there was a police investigation and then they were actually kicking people off of some social media sites for daring to say it i mean again it's just a nothing statement but they're saying, oh, it's a dog whistle. This is a, you know, they start reading in something as innocuous. It's not saying it's supreme to be white or it's bad to be another race or uh, it's just, but this is how ridiculous the, the, the game has gotten to. Yeah. yeah, I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. No, it's, uh, the, the old idea is that we were brought up with the idea that politics was about debate and democracy and the best, the marketplace of ideas. I don't know, it's, it's a... Uh, it's a knife fight with words. Yeah, well, and I want Let's them try to, be, to destroy other people. I want them to be out in the public. I want them to be taking selfies. I want them to feel that they can be a bit candid, even if once in a while you might misspeak or get something that's taken out of context or stand next to somebody who it turns out you didn't want to stand next to. But, you know, you don't, to today's point, you don't put a put a fire out by throwing more gas on it. And that's what an apology is. Uh, is uh, I wish um, the Premier would just stop apologizing. Exactly. Yeah. Get on with it. Yeah. These people, you will never satisfy these people. No. So just ignore them and say, you know what? I said what I said. Get get used to it. So uh, as I said at the start too, I mean, uh, the, the stampede does attract politicians like flies to uh, honey. And uh, they, they all come out. So they took advantage of that opportunity. Though uh, Prime Minister Trudeau was in Calgary at the same time as, as Premier Smith, and, and they actually sat down for a, a chinwag, right? Dan? They did uh, last Thursday afternoon at, at the McDougall Centre. And oh, to be a fly on the wall uh, in that room. Uh, uh, 
you know, they, obviously they have a lot to talk about. Uh, number one being the just the just transition and the, the Liberals' attempt to basically shut down Alberta's oil industry. Uh, I think the the one thing they came out with was they agreed to you know have a, a, a provincial federal team get together and and uh, and talk in the future. But in terms of Trudeau's environmental goals, he he stood his ground. Uh, so I think the meeting ended with. Uh, you know, basically more, more harsh words from uh, Premier Smith, and you know the more threats of uh, lawsuits. And uh, if that doesn't work, Sovereignty Act down the road. Yeah, you know the. I, I think it works for the Prime Minister to have a feud with the Western Province. Always used to be that it was the, the provinces. It worked for them to have a feud with the federal government. But in this case, Mr. Trudeau was looking at a, a federal election no later than October 2025, just over two years' time. No guarantee that he'll even get there unless the NDP is uh, cooperative. So it could actually happen at any time. And for him to go back to central Canada, where, let's face it, it seems people think differently to how they think out here. And point to the Confederate states of Saskatchewan and Alberta and Northeastern PC and, and say, you know, we have people with, what's, what's his phrase about uh, attitudes or un, unreasonable? Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Oh, unacceptable. Borderline racist. Misogynist. Misogynist. Yes, all of these things. And, they, and he will do this if he feels it's in his interest to do it, because he's done it before. They are evil people, and you must vote for me to protect you against them. Those were the people who said, let the Eastern bastards freeze in the dark. He will go on like That would be an election-winning strategy for Mr. Mr. Trudeau. And the mirror of that is that for Danielle Smith, there is nothing to be gained by making life too comfortable for Mr. Trudeau, especially on this file. And on this particular file, she actually happens to have the facts on her side. Exactly. This, what Trudeau is doing is, is impossible. What he's asking for is impossible. It's intentionally impossible to provoke this very situation. Well, and, and that's it. And he's clearly intractable. But I mean, the, Trudeau is, is built... If he's looking for a legacy, clearly he wants to be the prime minister who conquered climate change, yep. or at least as far as Canada's role within it is. And, you know, that was part of, I guess, what anybody would look for. They didn't expect Smith and Trudeau to come out hand in hand and say, wow, we've, we've mended fences and we're going to work together. But if there was a chance you were going to see perhaps a little compromise, a little room, a little ability to say that we can move on some of these targets, that was it. And it's quite clear he's not going to budge an inch, and, and nor is Premier Smith. Oh. And, you know, it's when you read a bit further down in the, in the story, so to speak, that and you look at some of the things that the prime minister says, you realize how contrived this, this is. I mean, pick this up from, I, I think, uh, the CBC. They reported Mr. Trudeau as saying, people know, even here in Alberta, as if we're too thick to understand anything really, but even here in Alberta, we understand that the only way to build a strong economy for the future is to protect the environment. 
that's actually 180 degrees the wrong way around. You want to see a really poor environment, go to a really poor country. If you want to protect the environment, you have to build a strong economy. And this is the kind of tripe that he trots out, but back east they won't, you know, they won't see through that. Well, and, and his obsession with the climate and such, we're, we're seeing that with uh, the housing, for example. I mean, I'm just kind of sidetracking a bit, but it, it still helps you know, reflect where the Trudeau government's coming from. They acknowledge we have a housing crisis. I mean, rents are flying through the roof, real estate prices. At the same time, they have half a million immigrants a year they plan to bring in, though they don't know where they're going to put them. <clears throat> I had uh, uh, Shane Wenzel from Shane Holmes on before, and he pointed out, I think, new builds for houses, if you follow all of the new restrictions and things to be green, I, I'm paraphrasing, but it was, I believe, $75,000 a house. It's going to add to the cost of a, uh, a dwelling. So they, mm -hmm. they, they, their views conflict, and, they, and they, they cause trouble for themselves, but they, their stubbornness on this climate file will not allow them to move on. No, and especially with the the interest rate hike today up to 5%, highest in 22 mm -hmm. years, who can afford a house? You know, who can afford to start a mortgage mortgage now? Obviously, prices of houses will come down because in the end, you do the math, you sell the house for what you can get for it. And uh, if the mortgage is high, then you won't be able to ask. Yeah, they're not coming down in Calgary. Well, we'll see. Give it time. Uh, get Mike Thomas in here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that, that, that is... Um, Another example of where you and you you find this so frequently with this government that the policies conflict with each other. If it is so important to bring down carbon emissions, why would you increase the number of people coming into this unit of geography that you want to where you want to reduce emissions? Because every individual person generates carbon emissions. They either. They need a place to live. Their house will generate carbon emissions. They need to get around, whether they go by car, by train, whatever, they're going to generate carbon emissions. The mere act of living here is, is generates carbon emissions. So if you increase the if you increase the population by a significant fraction, you're working against your whole strategy of reducing carbon emissions. What are these people supposed to do? You know? Exactly. And I said, as I was Stop. saying with the home prices, I mean, those things are luxuries. If you want to have yeah. the solar panels and all of these fantastic green mm -hmm. notions, you need that money has to come from somewhere. If you have a great deal of royalties coming in or a lot of highly employed people that are very well paid, they'll take on those luxuries. But they're taking away our means of making the money to do it while making the demands for us to pay for these changes. It has to come to a crash. Well, I mean, just look at electric vehicles, right? Most of them are priced way out of range of, of, of most car buyers, right? And then you get them uh, and you got, the, you got the charger you have to buy. You can only do a couple hundred kilometers on it at the best of times. God knows if we'll even start in a minus 40 Calgary night. Uh, you know, you can't drive to Vancouver without stopping a couple times and sitting there and getting it all powered up. You know, these are all obstacles that are being placed uh, in front of you and they still want you to buy the the electric vehicle, right? It's, a, it's the same situation as homes. The thing that concerns me about the homes is that, speaking specifically of Alberta now, and the demand that they meet zero carbon emissions in the electrical generating uh, industry by 2035. Smith says it's impossible. It is impossible. I believe it is impossible. It takes 10 years to get the approvals to 
build a two-inch pipeline across a field. So how long is it going to take before they even begin the basic design of the facilities to get the permission, approval, the environmental permissions to build the new sites that the, where they, we are going to generate electricity from what? Sun, wind, maybe nuclear. Have we got a design for a nuclear reactor yet? The green crowd's against nuclear. Are They're not allowed to do that one either. So, you know, I see, a, and, I, and I, I have not got this as a direct quote from her, but I believe from what she's saying that Daniel Smith foresees the future if, if we just give in to Ottawa, where we'll be facing brownouts and blackouts in 10 years' time if Ottawa insists on zero emissions because we simply do not have time to build the new structures, even if we had the money, which I guess we probably could find if we had to. There isn't time the way we do things in this country to get all the approvals lined up and the stuff ordered, contracted, constructed, put into service. Can't be done in the, in the 12 years we have. There was a good incident yesterday that I think sums it up nicely. Uh, 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 Natural Resources Minister Wilkinson uh, was giving away more millions of dollars uh, uh, he was up in Drumheller yesterday uh, for solar power. Yep. Made this big announcement in a, in, a, in a field, and everybody looked up and cloudy as hell. Couldn't <laughs> see a thing. You couldn't see the sun anywhere. And that was just like a metaphor of, yeah. of where it's going. So I mean, it, we know though, uh, you know, as political wonky sorts. I mean, there's expediency politically to have a foil. Every politician, you have to have a, either an issue or a person or a movement, but to be able to point to and say, "You must support me because I will protect you from him, her, or that." So it's going to be valuable for for Premier Smith to, to, of course, you know, keep that the fire stoked with with uh, Justin Trudeau, and he seems to be quite a a willing participant. But the price, the price is going to be. We've got. Support for secession as I'm sitting at 20, 25% steadily these days, it'll only grow if those two keep fighting. Yeah. And I think what I think Smith, what Smith has to do is more than what Kenny did. You know, Kenny would uh, strike a panel to study something or send a letter to Trudeau. Uh, so if it comes to, you know, the Liberals move ahead with all these things, which it appears they are, Smith has to take, uh, take another step whether it's yet another court battle or more likely the Sovereignty Act, uh, you know, that's what she's got to do. Well, I mean, there's, it's, the Sovereignty Act is intended to kick in when the federal government makes a demand that is not within their jurisdiction to make. Presumably that is going to come in through how Bill C-69 is administered. Bill C-69 is generally thought of as the no pipelines bill, and that's correct, that is certainly what it is, but that was in in the context of pipelines from Alberta to the coast, any pipeline uh, crossing provincial borders, but it covers much more than pipelines, and I believe that the intention of the federal government is to insist that they have the right to apply it within the province and not only where the project concern crosses a provincial boundary. Well, the second they start doing that, that is where the Sovereignty Act kicks in, and then it'll be up to the federal government to sue. So that buys time. And as we're talking about election uh, expectations, I mean, I think a lot of this is predicated on the 
on the hope that there would be a change of government in Ottawa in a couple of years' time. We've just got to get there. You know, I also note uh, our uh, energy reporter, Sean Polster, this week has churned out several stories. Norway makes the biggest oil discovery in 10 years. You know, uh, expectations of crude oil or barrels of crude oil a day, you know, going up mm -hmm. over the next decade significantly. Uh, natural gas, uh, Britain signed a huge deal with uh, the United States to import natural gas. You know, and of course, we're sitting here with and Germany, of course, and 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 Germany. There's no business case for Canadian sure. gas in Germany, right? So the rest of the world seems to be heading one way. Canada seems to be heading the other way, and I'm not sure we're heading the right way. Yeah, well, they're facing reality in the other parts of the world. I mean, the part that's they've realized, but it really brought it into focus with the, the Ukraine war, with the dependency on Russian gas, and the realization that. Demand isn't going away, despite what all uh, we've been scolded and lectured for over the last couple of decades on oil and gas. We still, world demand is growing for it, and uh, you can fight it all you like. All it means is consumers pay a higher price, but they still need it. But the other countries are realizing that hard reality, but Canada isn't. Well, it doesn't care to. Yeah. It's become a personal thing. And that's something, I mean, the, the liberals have changed Though, I mean, when, when I speak of Dan McTeague, for example, you know, he, he was a liberal member of parliament. He, he's been on my show a number of times. He's quite outspoken against the Trudeau government. Is this gas buddy? Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and he's very, you know, common sense, pragmatic. He still considers himself a liberal, just a liberal of that time. I mean, the liberals were still a party of commerce and business, if left leaning in the 90s. You know, they, they were more pragmatic. They weren't so, so dogmatic with, with shutting things down like we have under this Trudeau liberals right now. Well, uh, look at who's leading the government, right? Uh, Nigel's 100% right. Uh, Trudeau's legacy, the only thing he's got a chance at is Mr. Climate, right? So he's going to forge away. The environment minister is a former Greenpeace radical arrested, you know, for, you know, climbing onto uh, Premier uh, Klein's house. You've got uh, Wilkinson, you know, also a very, you know, his job is to kill the oil industry. So yeah, they're not they're not going to make any changes. They'll keep going the way they are. Well, this feeds an investment chill as well. I mean, that's one of the things they don't necessarily have to legislate us out of uh, uh, development of our resources out here if we can't get capital because of investors looking at that anti-energy crowd. Well, let's just talk about uh, investment chill for a second. One of the people who is often touted as a replacement for Mr. Trudeau is none other than former Bank of Canada. Governor Mark Carney. If Mark Carney has made it his business to go to investment houses and argue with them against investing in energy, specifically hydrocarbon energy. So, and then of course it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. They, they, people, you'll read the reports, investment houses are turning against uh, Mark Carney says investment houses are turning against investment in oil. Well, he told them to. I guess they. I guess they listened. You know, who'd have thought? Yeah, you know, and even if nothing ever happens, the fear factor in there is the possibility that something like that could happen. Uh, just chases people out of Canada and off to places like Norway, which don't have that same uh, that same uh, policy set have a very different view of the world. 
getting back kind of a bit to the, the unity as these intractable battles happen, uh, we seem to see natural allies developing between Daniel Smith and, and Premier Mo in BC. It's a little different than with the other Saskatchewan. Or sorry, Saskatchewan is a little different than when BC used to be actually quite regionalist, but aside from Northeast BC and in, in the interior, uh, David Eby doesn't have much interest in, in allying with, no. with, with Premier Smith and and, uh, and uh, Mo. And Manitoba supports kind of a, a swing, I guess you could call it, but uh, you, you can see a, a battle with a block. Like there's been a lot of discussion of having a utility corridor going to uh, Hudson's Bay, perhaps, for, for example. Now that would cross provincial borders. So it would be the federal's, you know, government's role to give a thumbs up or thumbs down. But if they give a thumbs down, if there really is a serious proposal to do that, again, I think the rage on the prairies is going to be pretty strong. Well, I think that's coming. I think uh, uh, the the Hudson Bay route, uh, I think you'll you'll see more developments on that in the next, before the end of the month. And I think that's going to be a huge, uh, huge story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and it's fun. That would be going nowhere if Quebec were more tractable. But they've taken a, a moral position. Well, you know, fracking. Don't want to do that. And even that's against line. that's against the majority of Quebecers' wishes. Yeah. You know, they want more the availability of energy. But again, it's their government's uh, ideological uh, standing. I don't know who Mr. Legault thinks is going to pay the bills if Alberta can't. No, exactly. No, anyway. Not to be, and I'm not even anti, you know, I'm not sort of reflexively anti-Quebec. Uh, some great people there, but um, the, the policies that they vote for, the majority, certainly are against the interests of the West. And it's quite tiresome because in so many ways, the, politic, the political ambitions of Quebec, which is keep the federal government in its place, are so similar to ours. It's just painful that we can't work together. Yeah, we should be best buddies. I think. And I mean, in, in, in speaking, you know, many years ago when I was a little more immersed in uh, regionalism, and I did meet with some members of the Bloc Québécois and uh, Gilles Duceppe was re leading them at the time. There was a bit of discussion on our part on seeing if we could, uh, yeah. I, the term I was given was hammer and anvil. Boy, if, if uh, Alberta and, and Quebec were both smacking against Ottawa, you could really squish them in the middle and put them in their place. But there's no discussion like that happening between uh, the province of Alberta and Quebec at this time. No, it's just going to be Alberta, Saskatchewan, I think. And That's maybe New Brunswick. Well, yeah, there's, we're seeing, you know, frustration with the, the, the centralized government and, and regionalism happening in, in other provinces springing up. So is the Manitoba government a weak link in that uh, Hudson's Bay proposal? I, they've, they've never come out and said they would support it. So I, I would think the, the weak link description fits uh, at the moment. Well, she's a weak premier. She's right? a weak, you know, she's got the lowest ranking in, in Canada, Premier Stephenson. Uh, so, yeah, but she's, she's probably not in a position to do anything controversial at the moment if she wants to get uh, elected. The best that can be said is they haven't come out against it either. They just aren't touching it. But, I mean, it would certainly be a, a serious Im issue impacting their province. You would think the premier should be speaking up on it. But, but again, let's get this done. Yeah. Right? If we were any other country in the world, we would see this problems coming down the pipe and take action now to do it. Wanna, but we don't, right? As Nigel says, 10 years to get a two-inch pipeline, 100 feet. A, a tactic I, I saw, though, I mean... It, Premier Smith seems willing to embrace, and we we saw that with uh, addictions treatment centers. We've seen it with the uh, clinic on the Enoch Reserve is partnering with First Nations and Indigenous yes. people because it really puts those progressive politicians <coughs> on the spot. And I, I remember rubbing, uh, you know, uh, Notley's uh, nose in it a little on Twitter just when she's, she's opposing private health care and every other aspect. They said, "Well, when are you going to shut down the clinic on the Enoch Reserve?" You don't get an answer on that. 
but they're talking about partnering. Well, sure, why not? It crosses a lot of First Nations land with them to get that corridor in. And if you've got some chiefs getting up and saying, hey, are you going to approve our project or not? It's going to make it a lot more difficult for uh, Trudeau to shut that down. I mean, well, it only, sorry, sorry, Nigel, it only benefits the... Uh, uh, the indigenous people whose whose pipeline it crosses, because the economic benefits they get from it is huge. But although that doesn't seem to have been a completely persuasive argument in British Columbia, does it? Well, it has. I think uh, the vast majority of the chiefs. Uh, well, they're on side. The the, the actual chiefs on yeah. side, but the hereditary uh, chiefs are are not, and obviously made a lot of noise about it. Oh, I get it. I'm getting a fact. There were other pipelines, other projects, and uh, didn't matter how much. Uh, for example, the, uh, the the Northern Gateway project was totally supported by the chiefs along the way, and the key was turned, and that was that. Mm-hmm. True enough. I mean, they're supported by, but not necessarily invested yeah. in in the ways that they might be. I, I mean, you're talking as if you think that the Liberal government actually believes what they are saying about Indigenous reconciliation. I think they think they believe it. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> When yeah, which may be the to, which may be the problem. Which, when it comes to actually putting the thumbprint of approval on something that the indigenous peoples have decided would be a good thing for them, well, if it conflicts with their climate change agenda, well, suddenly that's not quite such a exactly. serious consideration, is it? Exactly. And closing out on that topic, I guess you know, fill in with a, a metaphor for Trudeau's visit to Alberta was his uh, his fine attempt at uh, the simple, relatively simple task of flipping a pancake. At the stampede, as every politician does, and uh, well, it seems to have blown up in his face or on his lap, actually. It's uh, it's funny. The instant I saw that, you know, oh, no, here we go. Within minutes, it was a meme going across Canada. You know, he was just ridiculed. Uh, we had a story with uh, Calgary Nose Hill MP Michelle Rempel Garner saying this was a politician's worst nightmare. And she actually gave instructions on how to do it, how to do it properly, because I'm sure she's flipped a few uh, pancakes in her lifetime too. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, what a mess! I'm sure the uh, PR people would have just sat there shaking their heads. To be fair, I, I, I hate to be fair, but uh, when when a certain uh, conservative prime ministerial candidate by the name of Robert Stanfield fumbled a ball, dropped the ball. You know, that was taken as a metaphor of his competence to govern. And I, be- I believe I'm correct in saying that he, in the, in the warm-up, the practice where they, this is how we do it, let's get it right. He, he was doing perfect, perfect. <laughs> and then the, when the real thing came, he dropped it. Uh, the, you know, the best to. prime minister Canada never had was the, the legend was born. So I... As, as I say, I'll, I'll attack Mr. Trudeau day and night on his climate change policies and a lot of other things besides, but I can forgive him for squishing a pancake. Oh, everybody hey. has their moments. You know, yeah. you, you slip yeah, and it's, it's splattered. There was too I much know, grease just, or whatever. It just, it, it does hit on people. As you said, with Stanfield, fair or not fair? Because a, a part of the image of Justin Trudeau, too, is, my is, age a, away here? is a gentleman who never... Well, You're a student of history. Yes, yeah, right. a student <laughs> of history. <laughs> Trudeau's a guy who's never really cooked a meal for himself. With my own eyes. Exactly. Right. How many does he spend on groceries a year? $60,000, $70,000 yeah, or something like that? Flipping a pancake's usually it's kind a, of a rudimentary kitchen mm-hmm. skill. It's a, it's a metaphor for how he's running the country. In my yeah, opinion. I mean, I, I do know that when, back in my PMO days, you would not have had to tell Stephen Harper how to flip a pancake. No. But if there was any doubt about it, there would have been a 
There would have been a practice. We, let's get this right. But again, like like the T-shirt thing with Smith, it's just something to chuckle over. But yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's not the issue of this it's not the decade. Issue. We've we've got bigger ones with Prime Minister Trudeau, but we could chuckle a little again. You're trying Any, to anytime we can mock them, the better. Huh? Well, it makes me think of like a there's a Homer Simpson meme, you know, from a, he's trying something on the Simpsons, or he's trying to make a recipe, you know, with milk and cereal and he pours the two together and it catches on fire that's how inept you are and uh, it's just uh, what's kind of funny yeah all right getting into something less funny and uh back to the the federal uh, government but not as regional this is uh still pretty directly affects us that's bill c18 and ottawa's uh, strategic withdrawal in this fight for democracy yeah it was uh you knew it was gonna come or some form of it was gonna come uh, because uh, the government had said no to, uh, uh, you know, giving huge amounts of cash or asking for a huge amount of cash from Google and uh, Meta for, for Facebook. And the law passed and uh, those two tech giants said, uh, oh, we're cutting off your news supply. Uh, and of course, everybody started to panic about that because uh, most Canadians probably do get their news through Google searches or Facebook posts and threads that they, that they click on. So uh, last week, uh, the minister responsible, uh, Pablo Rodriguez, That's right. uh, put out a statement. Well, actually, he didn't put out a statement. His department put out a statement, uh, basically backtracking. Uh, bottom line is Google may be okay. Uh, Facebook, uh, Meta, likely not. Uh, but uh, they're open to more, uh, more negotiations and... Uh, I think we're 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 months away. He said we're months away from implementing, you know, this anyways. So there's still lots of time for lots more developments in their liberals' effort to kill off the news industry. Well, you can totally understand where Meta was coming from on that. They have absolutely no control over what will turn out to be a very significant cost. How many people are going to click every time they click? It's another, you know, it's another royalty. Going to uh, going to the newspapers, and if you are in business, there is no way that you would tolerate a cost that you couldn't control. That you had no idea. <laughs> Excuse me. It'll be just. Uh, it, it would have been a, a money loser, and of course, whatever happened here in Canada, they'd have been stuck with around the world. And the thing, the strong point for Meta for Facebook is that they're in the business of supplying content. It doesn't have to be news. You know, how many people actually, uh, everybody who everybody who goes on Facebook needs to just sort of have a moment of self-reflection here. Yes, I went on to read the news. I ended up looking at kitten pictures. So they have the kitten pictures. They have the beauty. They have the sports. They they, they have the, the sort of the real life stuff, the entertainment and the fashion and everything else. Why do you think we started putting those things on the front pages of newspapers in the skyboxes? Because we knew that was actually celebrity slobber that drew people. So uh, they can do that. They do not need the Canadian press. Well, everybody, that's the nature of Facebook. That's yep. what they seem to have forgotten. Everybody's a content producer. The, the guy taking the picture of his food bowl and putting up there is a content producer. The guy sharing the little video of his niece with her first steps is a content producer. 
that's what generates it. It doesn't mean that those people are stealing something from Facebook. And that's the language they used. I mean, you can mm. see why Facebook dug in, you know, I mean, that's got to be really insulting. So mm. we're providing this and giving you a platform to yeah. share these things and reach wider. And we have this government turn around and accuse us of stealing from them. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you, if, if you were to take a, if, if you could get an accurate measure on a news story uh, today, of how many people read it, and you took the measurement of how many read it on print and how many read it on Facebook, and you wait until a year after this legislation has taken, uh, taken effect, with Facebook not being part of the action, you'd still have that little bit of print that still goes out, perhaps, you know, guarantees, but let's hope, and there would be nothing. So total readership is going to go down, and uh, that's not helping. Uh, Corey had an excellent interview today on his show with Peter Menzies, uh, former CRTC yeah. vice chair and, and publisher of The Herald. And he said, yeah, basically the news industry has to find a way to survive. And that way to survive is, is uh, for people, for outlets like ourselves, is through memberships and, and subscriptions. So we have to provide something that they people can't like get anywhere else. Century. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we have to people have to get in their mind that if you want good, um, accurate, not fake news, you may have to pay for it. And people are right now cannot get that around their mind. A few years ago, they had no problem paying ten bucks a month uh, and having the door, you know, having the paper delivered every morning. Uh, but they're unwilling to pay 10 bucks a month to get the same sort of access on, on their computer or, or on, on their phone or tablet. Uh, so th that's sort of the mentality that the news industry has to be leading the change on, I think. Well, and to be fair, some people are willing to pay that. And that's yeah. what we've found, you know, with the Western Standard. It, it's a business like anything else. Once you've convinced a person that there is something behind that paywall that's worth $10 a month to me, they will, which you guys should subscribe and take out that $10 a month to help support the Western Standard and other independent outlets. I mean, that's the way it's going. The government's fighting that anyways. But we're inspired to make sure we're providing products that they don't feel disappointment in their investment, I guess you could say, into that. And and it's worked. But rather than, with the Global Mail to a degree with their paywalls, I mean, I think they've actually been doing a little well fiscally relative to some yeah. of the other publications. New York Times. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it, this is a formula that can work. This can be done without shaking down the social media platforms. Yeah. yeah. And I noticed the, uh, the, the deal between Post Media and uh, Torstar is, uh, has gone south. So it can be done, but not everybody's doing it. I would have to conclude. No. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was Post Media's last hope to, to avoid bankruptcy, yeah. but uh, you know they are a struggling corporation at the moment. They, uh, they have uh, no active newsrooms uh, like in Alberta, for example, well, we're the only one that actually has a, uh, a newsroom, except for maybe the CBC. Uh, everybody else has their handful of reporters working from their basements. So, you know, it's, uh, it is an industry in major flux. There's no doubt about it. It has been for, uh, for several years, and we're approaching the, uh, the crisis point, the tipping point. And, uh, you know, the, uh, it's like a battle of nature. The, uh, you know, the strong will survive and the weak will perish. Well, I was just about to say, just, part of what seemed to happen, too, was the government was shocked that somebody stood up to them. 
I mean, the, the, the indignant rage coming from the prime minister and uh, the heritage minister over this, like they were just shocked that their bluff got called, shocked that Google and Meta weren't bluffing. They said, we just won't carry it. Oh, they were describing it as a fight of the century <laughs> and, you know, Canadians to the ramparts. Well, well World War II comparisons yeah, and everything, you know. Was it Peter said in his little piece something about uh, it took him a week to go from invoking Dunkirk and, and D-Day uh, in the defense of democracy to negotiating the terms of their own surrender? It was very well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a total, total climb down. But I mean, they, they haven't trashed the bill. It's still a threat and it's still a problem. Uh, you know, when you talk about investor chill, but boy, the, you know, I mean, that's some of the discussion we had online too. People say, are you for Canada or are you for some foreign billionaires? Like, I don't care. I, you know, they, they, they don't play the envy game with me. I don't care if you like Zuckerberg or Google. Uh, it doesn't matter. This is a shakedown. I don't care if you steal from the, the homeless person down the street who can ill afford it or you steal from Zuckerberg. It's still theft. And I yeah. won't put up with it. No, uh, I mean we we have had our own issues with uh, with uh, Facebook trying to report certain elements of news. Yes, we've uh, been bad. We've been put in Facebook put, jail. Put in Facebook jail <laughs> and YouTube jail. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's not that we're carrying a flag for for Mr. Zuckerberg. Far from mm. it. And uh, if you remember, they were uh, very strong in censoring a lot of. Uh, uh, vaccine content, and uh, you know they were—they did a good job of muzzling the media. No I doubt about that. So did. we're not great friends of them. We just want to no. see that that modern press diversity. Well, looks like we've kind of covered it all for this week, guys. So thank you for joining in this uh, different seating and in my loud shirt today. Uh, you put up with it. Uh, so Nigel, Dave. I'm seeing six fingers here. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's bad for anybody with a hangover. You know, some folks in this office don't have to look at me that much. It's probably for the better. Yeah, great to be here today. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. And again, make sure to subscribe. That's how the independent outlets are going to survive. That's how we stay independent and we're responsible to you rather than to a government. So uh, again, thank you all for, for tuning in this week and, uh, be sure to come in again next week and we'll solve all the world's problems on that day for you as well. The current Lethbridge feed grain prices are as follows. Cash barley's at 428, feed wheat's at 418, and corn's down $3 at 3.90 per metric ton. In the milling wheat markets, September Minneapolis futures lost 15 cents at 849, with local hard red spring bids for July movement at 975 per bushel. In the oil seeds, Nearby canola futures increased $11.20 at $7.98.30 per ton, with delivered values for August movement at $18.33 per bushel. In the pulse markets, nearby red lentils are trading at $0.34 cents a pound, and yellow peas remain at $11.50 per bushel. In the cattle markets, August live cattle are down $0.22 cents at $178.60 per 100 weight. For more information on grain marketing, call me at 403-394-1711. I'm Sean Smith at Marketplace Commodities, accurate real-time marketing information and pricing options. Canadian Shooting Sports Association, without the CSSA, our gun rights would have been taken long, long ago. These guys are on the front lines helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms regulations and legislation in Canada. 
and more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people. To become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny. You can become a Western Standard member for just $10 a month or $99 a year for unlimited access.